0: Hello and welcome to Jaw Law. I'm your host, Joe McGregor from Dallas, Texas, with the law firm McGregor & Oblad. Here at McGregor & Oblad, we have a team of dental lawyers who focus exclusively on dental law, which is widely accepted as the most sexy type of law there is. And Today, we're going to talk about one of the sexiest topics of all, and that's the question. Are non-competes enforceable? Let me tell you. The answer is yes. Okay, now let's talk about, what are we even talking about? First of all, what's a non-compete? A non-compete, in layman's term, is this restriction saying, hey, you're not going to leave this dental practice that you've been associating at for the last two or three years, And go across the street and take all my patients. You have to go 10 miles away or 15 miles away or three miles away, whatever. But generally speaking, we know this as this radius, this distance that you have to go away for your next job or for your next ownership opportunity. So today I want to talk about a couple of uh, maybe maybe what I would call tidbits about the concept of non-compete and whether or not these are enforceable. If you are a long-time listener, both of you, then you've heard some of these things before. But I continue to get questions about this question. I continue to get this question. Are non-competes enforceable? Or is my non-compete enforceable? I get this no less than once a week. I swear to you, no less than once a week. And there are two reasons I get this question at least once a week. Number one People are just crossing their fingers, hoping that their non-compete is not enforceable so that they can go do what they want. They've been presented with a a great job opportunity or a practice that they really want to buy, and they have a non-compete that conflicts with those plans. The other reason, though, is because there's a lot of misinformation out there. I'd say a good half of the people who call me say, I'm calling you to ask this question because I have been told or I read online that non-competes are not enforceable. So let's have this conversation. Why is the answer? Yes. First of all, you need to understand that non-compete law, the law that applies to whether or not your non-compete is enforceable, is a very state-specific concept. What works in Texas does not necessarily work in Oklahoma or New Jersey or Maine. When you cross a state line, you are entering a completely new set of laws. And just because the laws are similar in Texas to Oklahoma or to Minnesota or Wisconsin or wherever, doesn't mean you can transport the law. It just means that they're built on similar principles. Where this tends to get people in trouble is because there are certain states where non-competes are either not legal or limited. For instance, maybe you're from a state where having a non-compete can only last for one year. And you move to a state where there isn't a rule. So, you look at your contract and you're like, well, this one says two years. That can't be right. I thought it's just for one year. Well, if you're in a new state, that just may not be the case. So, principle number one, this is state-specific. And not to get too into the weeds here, but this is even regional inside of a state. And that's just kind of how case law works. But sometimes, like here in Texas, there are ways that this will get adjudicated in Houston that may be different in Austin or in Dallas, and this is one of the most important reasons that when you have a genuine question about restrictive covenants, you need to take it to a local attorney. That's your safest bet. Now, number two, and, and I don't want to dwell on this one too long, but it, it needs to be said, the law that applies to having a restrictive covenant as an associate is different than the law that applies to having a restrictive covenant when you sell a business. Now, technically, they're the same, but I don't want to go too far into those weeds. Just know that just because you're in California and you can't have a restrictive covenant as an associate doesn't mean you can't have one as the seller of a business. So, remember that. We get that all the time. And one of the the outgrowths of that misunderstanding is maybe five miles is appropriate in that local area for an associate to be bound, but if you are selling a business, it's entirely possible that 25 miles is appropriate. Again, they're built on different concepts. So just for this conversation, just you need to know that they're different and you need to, to know that for the rest of this conversation, we're mainly talking about associates. Okay. And for the remainder of this conversation. I'm going to rely on Texas law. Now, I do think that this is going to be helpful for people outside of Texas. I'm mainly saying this in case you are in Florida and you're like, this Joe guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, I kind of do, uh, but I'm not going to go through all 50 states and say, this is how they're, they're similar or this is how they're different. I'm going to try to pick out some of the, the more universal points of Texas law, but I am going to reside in Texas law. Tidbit number one it has to be reasonable. And it's not just the mileage that has to be reasonable. It has to be reasonable in distance. It has to be reasonable in duration. So you can't say you've got a restrictive cover for the next 100 years and it has to be reasonable in scope. And I feel that this is one of the, the areas that people get tripped up on. I am aware of a case that's that's fairly local here in Texas, where someone said, um, and, and I can't remember the detail, something to the effect of you are restricted for the next two years, 10 miles, and you can't work in a dental office. But they didn't specify in what capacity. And the judge ruled that because they just said, hey, you can't work at all, so I can't be Uh, A front desk receptionist and the judge ruled that it was too overbrought and threw the whole thing out. Secondly, you need to know what blue penciling is. Not really. You don't need to know that. You just need to know that there are two principles of contract law that apply. One is let's say that I have a two-year 10-mile restrictive covenant and a judge says actually 10 miles is unreasonable. Well, in some states, that means the entire thing is thrown out. And in other states, maybe the judge says, OK, 10 miles unreasonable, but seven miles would have been fine. Why don't we rewrite this? Two years, seven miles. So you need to know what your state operates under, what principle. Next tidbit. You cannot have a restrictive covenant. Sorry, hit the pause button. I am talking to practice owners if you want an enforceable restrictive covenant you cannot have a restrictive covenant just to limit competition and i know that sounds crazy cuz you're like that's exactly what i want to do but that is not how the non compete law works now i'm going to get i'm, I'm going to take a, a toe into the weeds in texas we say that the non compete has to be ancillary to an otherwise enforceable contract. What does that mean? It's basically saying, hey, just because I'm employed doesn't mean that this is an enforceable restrictive covenant. There are things that need to be protected. Now, I will say that in dentistry, for the most part, the practice of dentistry lends itself pretty well to getting these things enforced. And I think that's one of the problems that associates run into. But if I'm a practice owner, I'm saying, hey, I'm going to give access to the goodwill of the patients to this associate. And I need to protect that associate running off with that goodwill. Particularly, I need to protect the growth of the goodwill. I'm bringing this associate on to help grow the practice. And therefore, the, the associate has a vested interest in the growth of this practice. <coughs> And I have a vested interest in protecting that growth. And so, therefore, this interest in protecting goodwill is above and beyond just simply doing dentistry, filling cavities, pulling teeth. But I will say, this is the tight wire. If a judge is so easy to, to, to fall off, if a judge thinks you're just trying to be anti-competitive, that is against the law. You have to prove that there's something else that you're trying to protect. In addition to goodwill, there, there are other things like proprietary information. There's not a ton of that in dentistry. But there is specialized training. There's actually cases that talk about uh, you know, protecting training that you're giving this associate. Basically, I'm, I'm training you or, or sending you off to training and I'm investing a lot of money in you. With the expectation that I'm going to get A return on that investment And so I'm not going to train you And then you're going to go across the street And use that training against me So therefore I can have a restrictive covenant To protect myself Against that training being used against me But to summarize If a practice has taken all these things Into consideration And has carefully drafted The non-compete It is potentially enforceable Now here's the deal I kind of hate this But what if it's not enforceable? What if you have a non-compete that says you're going to be booked up for 10 years, 100 miles? Well, there are very few places in this country where that is going to work. But how do you get out of it? Well, the bad news is that if you really want out of it, like without having to look over your shoulder, you have to go get something called a declaratory action. You've got to get a court to say this is definitely not enforceable. Otherwise, you just move on with life. You dare the practice owner to enforce it. Now, maybe the practice owner has no intention of enforcing it. Maybe the practice owner only finds value in the psychological effect of having an absurd restrictive covenant. But you don't know that. And for the next two or four whatever years, you're going to have to wonder if they're going to come for you. So, my advice is don't agree a ridiculous non-compete that you don't agree with. Don't rely on somebody on a Facebook group who says, don't worry about it. It's not enforceable anyway. Well, guess what? It might be. And even if it's not, you're still screwed. Before I close this up, though, I do want to talk really quickly about something called liquidated damages. What is Very, very in vogue right now Is to not just have a restrictive covenant But to also have a penalties section Now, penalties are actually against contract law You can't have a penalty And I see penalties all the time They're not enforceable However, you can have liquidated damages What are liquidated damages? Liquidated damages are the concept that Hey, if you violate my restrictive covenant I'm going to have to sue you you're going to have to hire a lawyer, I'm going to have to hire a lawyer, and it's going to cost a ton of money, and you're going to owe me for the money you took away from the patients you stole. I don't know how much that's going to cost, and you don't know how much that's going to cost. Why don't we just agree today that mm, a good estimate is about $100,000? So, therefore, if someone breaks the contract, the associate breaks the contract, then the associate cuts a $100,000 check. Well, the quick tidbits here. First of all, If it looks like a penalty, just calling it liquidated damages doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't make it enforceable. There are more than one court case saying the substance is what they care about if it has the same effect. So, if you say it's $100,000, even if you took only one patient... Well, liquidated damages have to be an approximate representation of the damages. Well, taking one patient is probably not worth $100,000, probably not anywhere close. Therefore, it looks like a penalty. It's going to get thrown out. Also, and this is where it gets state-specific again, but some states, so when you look at these contracts, it'll say it's $100,000 plus whatever other damages. I might get. Well, in some states that renders it a penalty and it's not enforceable. And I'm blown away that sometimes we see this in contracts. There is a way to write that, but it's really tough. But it it just usually looks like a penalty. It's not enforceable. But also, I think people get in a lot of trouble trying to lump all violations to look alike. For instance, if I set up a practice across the street from my old employer, that's a way different violation than if you know the hygienist follows me across town or three patients come with me. And if I have one liquidated damage that applies to all potential breaches, it's going to be hard to enforce that. However, if you have, this is what's going to happen if you set up an office in the next three miles. And this is what's going to happen per patient that you take. And this is what's going to happen per employee that you steal. Those are more enforceable. But I feel that the two things that get lost is, number one, for employers, penalties are not legal. And for associates, these might be enforceable, so pay attention to them. I am not saying they're not enforceable. I'm saying that they get drafted poorly a lot, but the concept is enforceable. And that that kind of wraps it up. So, I guess the reason I wanted to share this podcast is because, man, there really needs to be an understanding that you can't just agree to a non-compete because you don't think you have leverage and... They're not enforceable anyway. You may not have leverage, but you need to know that there's a really good chance that it's enforceable. And if it's not enforceable, it's really tough to go through the effort to prove it. So just stop agreeing to it in the first place. I realize that sometimes people are in a desperate spot and they just need to agree to it. And that's okay. I'm telling you your answer now. There is a really good chance that your restrictive covenant is enforceable. That being said, you do need to take it to a local attorney to help ascertain whether or not your particular restrictive covenant, because they're not all the same, and different rules in different communities apply. Take it to a local attorney and get them to review and see whether or not yours is, in fact, enforceable. And that's all we have today. We'll see you next time.